Would you pray with me now? Father God, this is your world, and we do pray that though things are wrong in it, like the choir just sang, um, that we would remember and trust that you are ruler. God, we come to you this morning with thanksgiving. We're thankful for this time and space to come together to worship you, to serve one another and be together. We admit that we need you. We make mistakes and we miss the mark every day and need your grace. So we come to you humbly in a posture of open hands and open hearts. We continue to pray for the areas of brokenness that we see in our world. Wars, human trafficking, poverty. Um, We pray for your intervention. And we also just let you know how much we grieve these things. Our hearts hurt when we hear bad news. Our hearts long for restoration, for healing, for peace. Um, And we know that though you're present and working now, you have even better things in store when Jesus comes again. As we think of how you're at work here at PBCC, um, God, we lift up to you the upcoming forums. Uh, May these forums be a time of honest sharing, of listening, of understanding, and where we can become more and more united, even amidst differing perspectives. We pray, Lord, for the women's retreat coming up next weekend and um, that this time away would be a blessing to the women in our body. And we thank you so much for um, the team that has been putting that retreat together. We pray also um, for our brother, Chris Donatelli, as he spends several weeks in Liberia. Um, God, and we thank you so much for his service there. We give you this morning, Lord, as we continue to worship and hear from your word. We open our ears and our hearts to you. Amen. And uh, today, we've got John Hanneman with us um, to preach. And so before he comes up, um, I'm going to be reading from Jeremiah 17 in preparation for his sermon. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. All right, come on up, John. (laughs) Hey, everyone. How are you? Good to see you again so quickly. Yes, yes. And thank you, choir. Oh, that was singing that hymn, This Is My Father's World. I grew up singing that so often, and just to hear you sing it this morning just um, brought back great memories for me, so really appreciate you guys. 
putting in the work on that. Um, it was a blessing. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about blessings. When you think of that word, what thoughts come into your mind? What ideas do you tend to think about? How would you describe the idea of being blessed? So many of us end an email by saying, blessings, Tom, or may God bless, Rebecca. What does it mean to you and what do you hope to convey when you sign an email, blessings? There's many different definitions for this word bless, different ways that we can use the word. Webster's defines bless as consecrate, as in bless his house, praise or glorify, speak well of, approve, confer prosperity or happiness. Um, we say things like, he is blessed with athletic ability. She is blessed with intelligence. I feel so blessed with my new job. We feel so blessed by all the Lord has given us. The Blessed Nail and Beauty Spa is just right down the street from where I live. <laughs> so there's a lot of usage of this word in our world. But many things that we attach to blessing are temporal and circumstantial. What if you don't feel blessed in the way you think of blessing? What if you feel more cursed? As we read in the those lines of Jeremiah than blessed because of struggles, illness, or discrimination because of race or status. We might feel that God is against us rather than for us. Are there permanent blessings that each of us can have that, will, that we can carry with us? And the answer is yes. There are permanent blessings. And the Bible talks a lot about blessings. And nowhere else do we, can we receive blessings than in the opening verses of the book of Ephesians. The opening, in fact, sentence from verse 3 to verse 14 in the book of, uh, uh, book of Ephesians. Paul begins, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. That is an amazing statement. Now the form of this phrase is a traditional uh, Jewish blessing prayer. Uh, blessed be the Lord God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commandments, who brings forth food from the ground. We find this word blessed throughout the scriptures, but it's in the context of bless God, bless the Lord God, bless the God who created heaven and earth, 
Um, and we also find this form in the New Testament. We find it in the Benedictus in Luke chapter 1. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. Paul also uses this form of prayer in 2 Corinthians. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And Peter uses this form of prayer. Blessed be the Lord, uh, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. The word blessing occurs three times in verse 3. First, God is blessed. And again, when you read the Psalms, blessings are poured out towards God in, in the Psalms. Second, those who are in Christ are blessed. And third, the blessings we receive for being in Christ are spiritual blessings in the heavenlies. Here the idea of blessing conveys being endowed with the potential for life, abundant fruitfulness, true life, real joy, wholeness, a sustainable well-being, the idea of shalom, God is blessed, and he is a father who, who blesses, who blesses us, who blesses humanity, who blesses the earth. According to Mark and Debbie Lazier, blessed is one of the seven core desires we all have. We want to be blessed. Many of us strive and work to make this happen for ourselves, especially early in our life. We're like Jacob who deceived and manipulated and conned his way through life to gain a, a blessing. If you remember, he, he uh, stole uh, his father's blessing from his brother Esau. He outmaneuvered Laban to bless him with flocks and herds. And then he wrestled with the Lord himself, even with a broken hip, and clung to him until he blessed him. But blessing is a promise that God gives to his people. When God called Abraham out of the land of Ur, he promised he would bless him, and in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. And Paul tells us that tells us that this promise is now fulfilled for every person in Christ. Not just to some, but to every believer. Not just some blessing, but every blessing. The blessings of Christ might be different from what we are seeking. These blessings are not physical, but spiritual. Not visible, but invisible. Not a part of the earthly realm, but part of the heavenly realities. But this means that God's blessings don't change. They're eternal. They're what our heart really desires more than the, the prosperity blessings that we might attain in this world. Well, what are these blessings? 
Well, I, the following verses are very dense and we could spend a week on each one of the five blessings that I am going to highlight. Um, but I'm going to read through these passages and, and tell you how much you are blessed. We read in verse 4, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. The blessing is that God chose us. Greek word, elected. When did this happen? It happened before the foundation of the world. Before there was one star, before there was one tree, before there was an animal, God chose you. What he, did he choose you to become? Well, he predestined, decided beforehand that we should be his holy and blameless sons and daughters in Christ. What was God's motivation? Love. He did it in love. What was God's purpose? For the praise of his glorious grace, which he literally graced us in his beloved son. Now this brings up a big debate between predestination and, and, and free will. And uh, you know, you can have an elective class to, to, to work that out with Bernard. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he would gladly explain all of that. Um, but I think it's a matter of perspective. From God's perspective, he chooses us. From our perspective, we choose him. But I do believe that God's choosing trumps our choices. I take a more traditional line. There is a line of theology that would say it all depends on me and would interpret this passage as God chose the church. But he's not choosing who is in that church. That's totally a human decision. But that seems to, for me to make God a lot smaller. If I have that much power and it doesn't depend on God, my view of God gets smaller. So I will stick with the more traditional blessing. And Paul, you know, hints at this in Galatians when he says, but now that you have come to know God or rather to be known by God, um, finding these Galatians was God's doing. Now Israel was God's chosen people. And now we who are in Christ are his chosen sons and daughters. God did not choose us to be servants or slaves or second class citizens. Did we deserve to be chosen? How could we deserve it? We weren't even born. We earned promotions, degrees, scholarships, but we did nothing to earn God's choice of us. Now what is this blessing? 
Was the blessing of worth, significance, value that can never be taken away? We are wanted. We are special to another. Chosen is another one of the core seven uh, desires we have. And another desire is to be affirmed. And what gives more affirmation than being a son or daughter of the heavenly father, the maker of heaven and earth? That one is a father who wants to have a relationship with you like a son or a daughter. Hard for us to believe this. Many of us probably know the pain of not being chosen, not being noticed, not feeling special to anyone. Janice Ian sang about this a long time ago when you, before you guys were born. To, to, to those of us who know the pain of Valentine's that never came and those whose names were never called when choosing sides for basketball. But God does choose us. And here's the blessing. Lord my God, when your love spilled over into creation, you thought of Judy. She is from love, of love, for love. Lord, my God, when your love spilled over into creation, you thought of Twa. She is from love, of love, for love. Henry Nouwen states that we are not an accident. We are a divine choice. And the blessing is that God knows your name as a little girl prayed, prayed one night. She said, "How, our Father who art in heaven, how did you know my name? <laughs> He's known our name since the foundation of the world. Second blessing, Christ redeemed us. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. God chose us, but there was a bit of a problem here. And the problem was the fallen and, and sinful state of humanity. And so in order for us to be the holy and blameless sons and daughters of God, he had to do something. And he did it through his son, Jesus Christ. He released us from the burden and slavery of sin through the cross. And here again, we see this word grace, grace, grace. And God's grace is not meager. It's rich. It's abounding. It's abundant. It's grace that is poured out on us like a waterfall in the spring. When I was in college, I got a speeding ticket. So I went to court to plead my case. I took no money in my 
youth and arrogance, I thought the judge would let me off the hook. Well, he didn't. He pronounced me guilty. And in my youthful brashness, I proclaimed I had no money. So they would just have to let me go. <laughs> they didn't let me go. <laughs> they sat me down in a chair in a room and walked away. <laughs> Couldn't imagine. But after sitting and stewing a bit, I finally called a friend and he came down to the police station and paid for my release. On a much grander scale, this is what has happened to us through Christ. We're purchased out of hock. God chooses, Christ redeems. And what does this mean? It means that we can live with freedom and newness. We can change. We no longer need to be controlled by sinful habits controlling attitudes, unhealthy lifestyles, or by the narrative we grew up with trying to survive. This blessing hits us, I think, in an area where uh, many of us struggle. Living with guilt, shame, self-hatred, and regret. And I know that I have struggled with this my whole life. And I know that there are those of you who have struggled with the same uh, weight on your shoulders. I'm hard on myself. I should have known better. I should have done better. Guilt is the feeling of doing something wrong. And when we feel guilty, we go to another to repair a ruptured relationship. But shame is the feeling of not being enough. It goes so much deeper. And shame forces us to isolate ourselves rather than to be with people. Often we live with the false messages of shame. I'm a loser. I'm a failure, you know. Um, I could have been a contender. Um, I could have been somebody. Uh, but this is not who we are. The blessing is, this is not what is true about us. The blessing is that we no longer have to should on ourselves. When you hear that word should come out of your mouth, you should stop right there and eliminate that word. Don't say that. Because it's a reflection of how you're feeling about yourself. No matter what we've done, no matter our sins and failures, we do not owe any debts the past never determines the future for those who are in Christ Jesus were forgiven and redeemed. Then we come to a third blessing. God revealed to us the mystery of his will. This is unbelievable. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ 
as a plan for the fullness of time to, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. We normally think of mystery as something to be hidden. The, um, the detective solves the mystery that the criminal intends to hide. But mystery in this, this word for mystery denotes something impossible to know, however, something which is to be known through revelation. revelation. God just hid it for a portion of time. The Bible speaks of all kinds of mysteries, but this is the mysteries of God's will, i.e. the summing up of all things in Christ. A mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, it's Christ, the mystery of God, and specifically in the book of Ephesians, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery which for ages has been hidden in God. See, God has always had a plan, a master plan of redemption. Then throughout history, God has been managing or administrating this plan. And when the fullness of time came, God revealed his plan in Christ. Christ was always plan A. And in Christ, God is creating a whole new family, a new humanity, a new dwelling place for God, all in Christ, all things are united in Christ. Things in heaven, things on earth. When you think about this, if we are all in Christ, if every one of us is summed up in Christ, we are united to one another, we're even united to the creation. What does this mean for us? Well, all in Christ are included to the same degree. And being included is another one of our seven core desires. Everyone belongs. And in Christ, we are included with people from every nation, every tribe who profess Jesus as Lord, the cross has torn down the dividing wall, the barriers between people groups. Now in the New Testament, this dividing wall was, was, was dividing Jews and Gentiles. But today we live in a culture that is diverse and multi-ethnic. And this blessing forces us to think about our perspective towards people that are different than ourselves. To think about our prejudices and our biases. Can we, can we embrace the idea that God is uniting everyone into one new family? We're all adopted in. We are all included. Our world does not embrace this reality. But if we as believers would embrace this reality, there'd be so much less division in the church. And there would be great influence on the world that is so divisive and war-torn.
I mean, to think that a believer, an Arab believer and a Jewish believer are one in Christ. To somebody from, you pick, a believer in China is included, is united to you as a white Caucasian European immigrant. We're all in it together. That's what God's building. And that is a powerful, powerful blessing. Even Republicans and Democrats are united in Christ. And I know that thought blows you out of the water. Okay. And then God chose us for his inheritance. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works, all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. The phrase I want to pick up on here is that we have obtained an inheritance. The we in verse 11 is, are, are the Jews who were the first to hope in Christ. In Christ, uh, Jews have claimed their inheritance. Now, when we read the word inheritance, we think of something that we're going to get in the future. But that's not the word, that's not the meaning of the word here. And it's not the, it's not the use of the word in the Old Testament. The word means to give or receive an inheritance, and if we are consistent with the Old Testament, we would know that the Jews, as God's people, were called out to be God's inheritance or his possession. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. In verse 11, uh, Paul speaks of this fulfillment to the Jews, but then in verse 14, he also includes the Gentiles who have come to believe. So Gentiles and Jews become the spiritual seed of Abraham, they become God's people, and they become God's possession created and called for God's pleasure. What does this mean? We are blessed with the gift of purpose and destiny. God chooses us so that we might be his possession. God has created us and chosen us for himself. We are meant to fulfill a desire that God has to be God's pleasure. And that's an amazing truth. To know that in some inexplicable way, God not only wants us, but he also thirsts for us and yearns for us until his thirst is satisfied. Dame Julian of Norwich writes, there is a property in God of thirst and longing. He hath longing to have us. And Browning writes that we are being formed as the vessel which will slack God's thirst. This 
this blessing gives me a whole different perspective. I can think life begins with me. It's all about me. I'm trying to figure out my life, build my life, get my life together. But this blessing tells us that life begins with God. It's not what I'm doing, it's what God's doing. It's not where I'm going, it's where God is going. I'm not possessing, I am being possessed. I know I can get pretty caught up in what is happening or not happening in my life, but life is about God. It begins with God and ends with God. And finally, God sealed us with the Holy Spirit. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession, to the praise of his glory. Now here we come to the Gentiles who are addressed as you. The blessing is to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. And there are three things that Paul says here about the Spirit. It's a seal, it's promised, and it's a pledge. A seal is a, a mark of ownership and authenticity. Cattle and slaves were branded with a seal in order to indicate to whom they belonged. The Spirit was promised. Um, Acts 2 cites Joel's words, and it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my Spirit upon all mankind. And finally, the Spirit is a pledge of what is coming, meaning a down payment, the first installment, a deposit, the earnest money, a word that was actually used for an engagement ring. God is not just promising the future, but giving us a foretaste of our wedding with the Lamb. And what does this mean? We are blessed with the gift of power, presence, and promise, the power to live in newness of life, the presence of God with us, the promise of what is coming. We so easily get distracted, nearsighted, despairing, and doubtful. We have difficulty remembering our purpose and our destiny. The blessing of the Spirit is that it reminds us of who we are and whose we are. It encourages us with a foretaste of our future. It assures us that God is faithful to his promises and will see us through. These then are the blessings of God, chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, sealed by the Spirit. We know the mystery of God's will and we are chosen to be God's inheritance, his possession forever. As we sang this morning, God truly is the fount of our blessings. Maybe there's one of these that really resonates for you this morning. Why did God all do all this? Well, Paul tells us three times in the text, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. 
And once again, we see that we are created by God and for God to be an exhibit of God's glorious, abundant grace with the result that all of creation would raise their voice in worship and praise of the one true God. So let's reflect on this a minute. After hearing these blessings, hopefully you're lifted up. The Holy Spirit has been at work encouraging you in some way, shape, or form. That would be my hope. But it's easy for us to go home and say, well, I want my cake and eat it too. I, you know, these spiritual blessings are fantastic. But I really want to see something physical and tangible. I want something good to happen. I want that new job. I want the new house. I don't want these health problems. I'm tired of the family issues. Well, being blessed with every spiritual blessing does not mean the absence of struggle, heartache, disappointment, and pain. Because Paul says elsewhere, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who comforts us in all of our affliction and we do have affliction. So here's a tension we live with, spiritual blessings and earthly struggles. I'm a golfer, and so I, well, not that good of a golfer, but um, I watch professional golf. And last weekend, a man by the name of Grayson Murray won the Sony Open in Hawaii in incredible fashion. Grayson won early in his career, but that had been seven years ago. And in the past seven years, he's been battling alcoholism, depression, and anxiety. He got sober eight months ago. And in his interview after he had won, he said there were times when he wanted to give up on golf, but he also wanted to give up on his life. But when he could not fight for himself, he found someone to fight for him, and then he thanked his Lord Jesus Christ. And he also said this, he said, winning will not change my life. It may change my career, but it won't change my life. The blessings of success, prosperity, they really don't change lives. We'll be who we are with or without them, but the blessings of God can change our life. That's what's so fantastic. They can redeem us and call us to a new destiny and purpose for living. Our scripture reading was Jeremiah 17. And God contrasts two types of people, one who trust in their own strength and effort versus those who trust in the Lord. And God says, that those who trust in themselves, who strive and work and maneuver and, and control to bless themselves, 
might get some stuff, but they will live barren and empty lives. No matter how much they acquire, how much they, they gain earthly blessings, their interior life will not be affected. They will live shallow and hollow lives. On the other hand, the ones who trust in the Lord will live a fruitful life. They will be like trees planted by streams of water, and even during times of drought, they will still be fruitful, even during times of struggle and hardship. Those who trust in the Lord will receive the blessings of the Lord and gain a new interior life that, that produces and evokes the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness. And we have the same opportunity by living out this this changed life from the inside out being a fragrance to others. If God is such a generous blesser, then we can do the same. We can bless others in the same way. So instead of being critical, judgmental of others, we can bless them with kindness, with love, with acceptance. We can welcome them as one who is just as blessed as we are. And our blessings are powerful to heal, encourage, and strengthen. External blessings may change the way you live, but they won't change your life. The invitation this morning is to keep our eyes on Jesus and trust in the Lord and live into, lean into the blessings that are ours in Christ. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits, wrote the spiritual exercises and, and core to the spiritual exercises is the, the principle and foundation. And this is part of what Ignatian wrote. We should not fix our desires on health or sickness, wealth or poverty, success or failure, a long life or a short one. For everything has the potential of calling forth in us a deeper response to our life in God. Our only desire and our one choice is this. I want and I choose what better leads to the deepening of God's life in me. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. Shalom.